over the past eight years, and it has taken all of eight years, we have taken actions to ensure that more kids have this opportunity by positioning Arizona as a national leader in school choice. As his two terms as governor wind down, Doug Ducey took a bow for achieving one of his most fervent goals. Arizona parents have more options and resources to take their kids to a school that fits their educational needs. Under House Bill 2853, our educational savings accounts will be available to all K-12 students across the state. He signed into law House Bill 2853 that expands school vouchers to private and charter schools in the state, and Ducey signed the momentous law at Christian Preparatory Academy, one of the schools that stands to benefit from the shift in public education money. But not everyone is so happy that he succeeded. Welcome to The Gaggle, an Arizona politics podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. I'm your host, Ron Hansen. I cover national politics for the Republic. This week, we'll be discussing just what the school voucher program entails, what it means for Ducey's legacy, and where Arizona stands nationally on the issue. Joining us first is the Republic's K-12 education reporter, Yana Kunichov. Yana was at the private school when the governor signed the bill. Yana, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Let's start with some of the basics on this. Arizona's done a lot with charter schools and empowerment scholarships and private school tuition tax credits and such, so it can be a little confusing. I know it is for me. Tell our listeners what school vouchers are and what this new law does. Yeah, definitely. Um, so at a basic level, school vouchers are a program that lets students take public funding that they would otherwise use to attend district-run schools with them to pay for tuition at a private school. Right now in Arizona, that's only available for a certain group of students, so special education students, foster children, or military families. But what the new law does is expand it soon for every family in Arizona to have access to public funds to pay for private school. Special education parents have been sort of at the center of the push for the school voucher program so far. Um, and we hear a lot for, about folks for who this is working, but I've talked to a number of people for whom this is not working at all. They have not been able to get almost any services from private schools, and it also leaves them with like basically no recourse. And I just think those folks are not in the conversation um, right now. How much money are these vouchers worth, and how far does that go in paying for private school tuition at this point? So the way that the program runs right now, families can get around $1,000 to $30,000 for special education students. But the average in general um, for a family that doesn't fall into a special category will be around $7,000. Um, so it really depends on what school you're going to. The tuition was a little bit more at the school where Governor Ducey signed the bill last week. So with that, students would be able to pay most of the tuition for elementary, and there's like maybe $1,000 less for middle and high school. Supporters of the school choice movement are, of course, lauding this as the biggest school choice victory in the nation. What are advocates celebrating here? 
Yeah, I mean, this is a really, really big step in the school choice movement um, and means that Arizona now has the most expansive school voucher law in the country. So I would say that what this does is essentially change some of the way that public school funding functions in Arizona. So legally speaking, students who may have not been able to afford to access private schools, like the one where the event was held, they're now on paper, going to be able to do that. So it sets a model for other states. Uh, how that will actually play out on the ground is really unclear still. Okay. The voucher programs have also had critics for as long as we've been talking about vouchers. A citizen's referendum is trying to stop this new law from taking effect. They want to put it on the November 2024 ballot. Why do they oppose this plan and how serious is their effort? Yeah, so the the folks who are against school vouchers generally as well as the expansion sort of see it as an existential risk to public education funding. They want public education money to go to district-run schools and where there's transparency around how students are doing in those schools. So the referendum right now is being led by Save Our Schools Arizona, which is sort of a like a big hitter in the public school advocacy space here. Um, And they have recently said they had 15,000 referendum petitions in the field right now. They'll need to get 118,823 signatures by September 24th, and then the law will go on hold until it's on the ballot in November 2024 if they get enough signatures. Um, The organizers have a lot of folks on the ground trying to get these referendum petitions signed, There's also a campaign to encourage folks to decline to sign from people who are supportive of the voucher expansion. But I would say one thing to really consider is that in 2018, Arizona voters already rejected a similar voucher expansion. So um, that's sort of a helpful bellwether for this. Um, One thing that Senator Christine Marsh said that I thought was really helpful was that in some ways what Arizona is going to do now is fund two separate public school systems. So public funding will go towards funding a private school system, but we're not really going to know who goes there or how it's working or who it's working for. And we'll also continue funding a somewhat beleaguered public school system, but with less money than it has had. How transparent is Arizona's law, especially compared to other states in terms of making clear who the recipients of the vouchers will be, where they go, understanding any of the demographic underpinnings uh, of those students, what kinds of socioeconomic status they come from, or anything like that? Yeah, part of what I think is difficult to assess what this expansion will be like is that private schools in general have to share almost no information publicly. So everything we know about who the students are at public schools and how they're performing is not information we get about private schools. And then um, compared to the school voucher programs around the country, Arizona's program shares way, way, way less. So we don't know the income of families. We don't know the racial demographics of families. We don't know what schools they go to. We don't know how they're doing there. And I think particularly for special education families who sometimes really struggle to get their needs met in public districts, we don't know how often those families are rejected at private schools and they don't really have any recourse. So I think there's just a really big question mark in this like really expensive, massive expansion of how it will play out over the next few years. Why does that kind of information matter to policymakers or educators as they uh, move forward under this new set of rules? 
Yeah, I think to actually assess how a policy is working outside of sort of ideological positions, you really need actual information. Are students doing well? Is it helping them? Are the students that you wanted to help actually able to take advantage of this program? And the way that Arizona's um, school voucher expansion is written, we're going to get almost none of that information. So it'll continue to be an anecdotal ideological debate that is going to use like millions of public dollars over the next five years. So let's talk about that for a moment. Mm -hmm. How have the schools that will receive an influx of new funding uh, responded to all this? Are they expanding their capacities? Are they raising tuition? How is this playing out for the schools that stand to benefit? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of possible scenarios for private schools. So People have suggested that they will put their tuition rates at what the school voucher amount is. Um, folks have said that it's possible that some charter schools will become private schools because that is there will be new funding available for that. It's also possible that those schools will have a huge influx of demand. And so then some of the more vulnerable families or families whose students have more complicated needs, there's some concerns that they'll miss out when there's a lot more people who will have access to voucher funding. Okay, you kind of hinted at it there. Do we have an idea of how the traditional public school districts have responded to this and will continue to do so as this moves forward? Do they expect to be losing students? And and how will the loss of funding that's associated with that impact them in the near term or in the longer run? Yeah, so one of the few pieces of information that the current school voucher program shares is what district students have left. So just looking at the top districts, 800 students have left Tucson Unified. Mesa Public Schools, 806 students. And those are from some of the latest reports from the Department of Ed. So losing that many students is going to have a budget impact on districts. um, And it's actually particularly going to hurt the smaller districts that are already having budgetary troubles. I think it's not really clear what this will mean for districts yet, but in general, like keeping buildings running for big districts, special education programs that are already underfunded. Like every time a district loses one of those students, um, like the school as a whole probably feels some of that funding crunch. What is this expected to do to the effort in this state for many years now to recruit and reward better public school teachers? The the teachers that I've spoken to in Arizona, I think some of what makes it hard for them to work in the state is a sense that they are at the center of like an ongoing stressful ideological battle. So there's pay issues, there's the stresses of being in the classroom, but I think there's also sort of this fear about the future of public education. And some of what the school voucher program does is strike at the heart of whether public education will continue right now to look the way that it does in the future. Um, And so some of the idea of the school choice movement is that if your school is bad, you should have the right to leave it. But what does it mean when for the students that remain in that school? Or what does it mean when there are families who don't have, um, have the ability to find a private school or private schools are able to be more choosy? I think it leaves public schools with some of students with the most complicated needs. They'll take everyone. Private schools are probably not going to. You've been covering education for the Republic for the past few years. And the voucher expansion is something that Governor Ducey has been fighting for since he first got into office. What does this mean for his efforts in reshaping K-12 education more broadly? 
Yeah, I think that this, uh, you know, just as Governor Ducey is leaving office, this is sort of a home run of sorts. It's the biggest voucher expansion in the nation, and it's something that has been on the table in the vast majority of legislative sessions over the last eight years and has never gone through um, quite at this level. And the, the reason that it was able to pass is in part because some key Republican leaders stepped aside in favor of getting a billion in new school funding out of the surplus for schools. So I think that, you know, it's really kind of a political maneuver and win and I think is a strong is a strong legacy for the school choice movement for sure. Well, Yana, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to follow your work on Twitter, where can they find you? Yeah, my Twitter account is Yana Zur. So that's Y-A-N-A-Z-U-R-E and should be in touch. Very good. We're going to take a short break now. Hi, producer Amanda Luberto here. We're just taking a short break to let you know about our free mobile app. Stay up to date on politics, breaking news, and other stories affecting Arizona by downloading the AZ Central app. Available in your App Store and Google Play. Now joining us remotely is Darlene Opfer. Darlene is the Vice President and Director of RAND Education and Labor. Her research focuses include education policy and education equity. Darlene, welcome to The Gaggle. Thank you. Happy to be here. Education has been a hot-button topic in Arizona for years, and our governor, Doug Ducey, signed into law his school voucher expansion program recently. This has been a goal of his since he took office almost eight years ago. Where does Arizona stand nationally in education from your vantage point? If you look at what's called the National Assessment for Educational Progress, most people refer to that as the nation's report card. You can compare Arizona to other all the other states. And pretty much what it shows us is that Arizona is kind of in the bottom of the pack. On math, they are about in the middle but on reading, science, and writing, they're in the bottom third in terms of achievement. What's probably more troubling is that achievement has been declining in Arizona for the last, say, five to 10 years. With that in mind, Arizona's uh, policymakers have been setting out to remake education in a number of ways, including with this new voucher law that the governor has enacted. Give us a sense of what we should make of this program and how that stands uh, against other similar efforts in other states. First of all, it's historic in the sense that uh, this voucher program covers probably the largest number of students that's ever been covered by a voucher program. There are other states that have state-level voucher programs, Ohio, Indiana, Florida, Louisiana, as examples, but they don't have this, the number, the large number of students that Arizona has that it's covering. So in that sense, Arizona will be unique and we'll have to sort of see what happens over time. But there are some lessons learned from these other state efforts that I think, you know, we can certainly explore. Have other states 
seen any appreciable changes in educational outcomes? Do they see higher graduation rates, better test scores, more children ending up in college, or uh, are there any measurables that suggest that vouchers or other kinds of educational innovations have moved the needle in any way that really matters from, from your view? Yes. Um, yeah, the evidence that we have from these other programs is really mixed. So in smaller programs that were sort of focused just on a particular city, like Washington, D.C., for example, has a voucher program. In the smaller programs, what we saw is that it did have uh, an appreciable impact on student outcomes, like high school graduation, like achievement. But in the instances where they went statewide, like in Louisiana and Florida, we actually saw a decrease in student achievement on many measures. Um, we still see higher high school graduation, but in terms of math and reading achievement, we actually see a decline when they go to these statewide efforts. With that in mind, how long does it take before we start to have any kind of verdict from the data or from other objective uh, analyses? When should Arizonans expect to have some kind of outcome that looks different, whether it's good, bad, or upside down? So I would say probably two to four years out. One of the reasons why we see decline in achievement in these, um, when we go sort of massive statewide voucher efforts is because there just isn't the infrastructure in terms of schools, private schools ready to take on these students. And so they, they just aren't prepared, if you will. And so we see an initial decline. In a couple of places, we've seen that decline start to reverse at, in about sort of year four as the private school infrastructure sort of gears up to be able to handle this influx of students that they didn't have previously. One of the things that Arizonans are all too acquainted with right now with public education is a well-documented teacher retention problem. There are some concerns that school vouchers will ultimately worsen the retention issues. So do we have a sense of what we've seen from other states, how this might affect other issues such as teacher retention in the public district schools or in the private schools? Do we have a sense of, of what happens with teachers? The short answer is no. I mean, I don't think we can expect that a voucher program will have an impact on teacher retention. There are a lot of other reasons why we're seeing the sort of teacher crisis that we are seeing right now. What's interesting in the voucher programs and the research that's been done on them that we see is we see more teachers being fired from public schools uh, once voucher programs get into effect. And part of that is the market pressure on public schools to perform better. So once vouchers come into play, there's pressure on the public schools to improve. And one of the ways they improve is by getting rid of teachers who are not teaching as well as they could be. How about the effect of vouchers on the cost of tuition? Is there anything that suggests that this just raises tuition costs by building in a new subsidy? Or does this uh, voucher program figure to cover most of what is actually necessary for students to uh, enroll in meaningful private schools? Well, first of all, the, the amount that's been legislated, $7,000 um, annually, 
actually won't cover the average tuition of private schools in Arizona. I looked it up this morning and the average tuition for elementary schools in private schools in Arizona is 10K and it's 15K for high schools. So this doesn't cover the amount that's required to pay for private school tuition. So, so that creates some issues. I mean, families will, will need to come up with a difference and most families can't do that. So there is a danger that what's gonna, what could happen is this could siphon off uh, middle income and higher income families from public schools because they're the ones who can cover the tuition differential that it will be required. Does that create any knock-on effects for the public schools as the voucher population sort of migrates to the private schools and the remaining student body is left in public district schools? Sure. I mean, there's a danger, and we've seen this in some of the other statewide programs, that if what happens is that middle income and higher income uh, parents choose to send their kids to private schools, then what we see is greater segregation. And we see public schools being left with more low-income families. One of the things that's really been at the heart of the Arizona debate over vouchers and like programs for a while has been the children population that is uh, designated as special education needs. Do you have a sense on how that population has fared under voucher programs? And, And do you have an opinion on how Arizona's programs are likely to do with that population? Arizona is unique in this instance. Um, So in other states and other locations that go to vouchers, typically special education or special needs um, students are not served well. And the reason is because private schools are not under any obligation to provide additional services to them to be able to meet their needs. However, because Arizona originally had a voucher program that did target special needs um, students. There's actually a bigger infrastructure of special needs schools in Arizona than we would see in other places. So for example, I think there are approximately 30 schools in Arizona that um, serve students with special needs. And so there's a different infrastructure already available. But if you have a special needs child and you want to send them to just any private school, the chances are their needs are not going to be met there because they don't have the the counselors. They're not even required to like have ramps and other kinds of ADA requirements. Not to get too far down the road with this because there are still hurdles to come perhaps. Uh, West Virginia had a school voucher program that was blocked in court as part of a legal challenge. Is it likely that Arizona will see similar effort? And has this happened in other states? And how have they held up in court? I believe there already are either intentions to file or filings have already been made to try to block the Arizona legislation. In other states, some have been successful in getting them blocked and some haven't. And the real issue falls on what your constitution says about both education and also the separation between religion and the government. So where they've been successful, they have succeeded because the state constitution says that public funds can't be used for religious purposes. So those have been successful. And then others have been successful based on what the constitution says about who can provide education and whether it needs to follow certain requirements. 
One last question for you, Darlene. The future of educational innovation, Arizona's been sort of on the leading edge of these kinds of new approaches to education for a a few decades now. Is there any other area where you would expect this kind of thinking to move into another space in in the educational uh, battle here at the legislature? Yeah, I mean, I think in two areas, um, in some ways, the voucher program deals with the first, which is one of the things we saw during the pandemic was this rise in very small schools, um, often referred to as pods. I think that that uh, trend is going to continue even post-pandemic. The voucher legislation that was passed in Arizona actually would support that, that meaning that you know, parents could use the $7,000 to form pod schools of like, say, six kids. I think we're going to see that more often. And then the second thing, which is a larger issue, and it goes to the retention question you um, asked me earlier, is there is a ton of room for thinking about how we staff schools and particularly how we uh, staff teaching in relation to instruction. So, you know, I, I say this all the time, like, We know that there are some teachers who teach math better than others. So why aren't they teaching more students? And so I think, again, because of the pandemic, people started asking questions about how we sort of structure classrooms and provide education. And so I think the staffing question is probably going to have more prominence in the future. Very good. Well, Darlene, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been an education for us on The Gaggle. Uh, if people want to follow your work uh, and see what you're thinking on Twitter, where can they find you? So on Twitter, I'm at the Darlene Opfer. And also, you can always find my work and the work of my RAND colleagues at RAND.org. Thank you so much. That is it for today, Gaggle listeners. Do you have questions about Arizona's political landscape? Well, contact us at thegaggle at arizonarepublic.com. That's one word, all spelled out. Or leave us a message at 602-444-0804. And don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Ronald J. Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Amanda Luberto. You can follow her at Amanda Luberto. That's L-U-B-E-R-T-O. Thanks for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week. <music>